Support for WIPR's podcasts comes from Brightview Senior Living. Since 1999, Brightview has proudly served Greater Baltimore with vibrant, independent living, assisted living, memory care, and enhanced care. Find a community near you at brightviewseniorliving.com. We had a magical place called Doll Baby Land, and it had its very own theme song, which something like Doll Baby Land. I know we're all moving online. You might have online work, online school, but being an online magician is very difficult. So I get there, I walk in, I tear off my sweater, and I'm handed a baby. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Stoop Storytelling Series podcast. I'm Jessica Hankin. And I'm Laura Wexler. And this week, we're bringing you a special holiday podcast episode. It's the live radio broadcast of our Stoop Virtual Holiday Show. So get yourself some eggnog and Christmas cookies and sit back and enjoy Stoop Stories, comedy sketches from the Maryland Improv Collective, music from Micah Wood, and as a special treat, magic from Jacob Greenwald. We're going to be throwing the hosting over to my husband, Aaron Hankin, who has a lot of experience with hosting radio shows and podcasts. He has a great podcast called Out of the Blocks. And since COVID, he has been hosting a, uh, a COVID-related podcast called The Daily Dose. And so this was an opportunity for him to do something creative during these dark, dismal times. So happy holidays to you all. <laughs> Enjoy the show. And we'll see you in the new year. Yeah. Take care. Happy holidays, you filthy animals. <laughs> all right. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the uh, Stoop virtual holiday hoo-ha. We are uh, broadcasting live this evening uh, to your computers and phones and various devices from the Creative Alliance's Patterson Theater. And we have got a great lineup of entertainment for you. Seasonal stories of the true personal variety. Comedy sketches from the Maryland Improv Collective. Music from Micah E. Wood and company. And yes, there is even a magician in the house this evening, the amazing Michael Greenwald. My name is Aaron Henkin from WYPR, the uh, regular hosts of The Stoop. Laura Wexler and Jessica Henkin have kindly uh, given me the uh, honors this evening. I'll be your MC for this virtual extravaganza. Uh, I consider it my, my humble mission this evening to be your super spreader of holiday joy. So uh, close your work emails, pop the lid on that pizza box, sit back and relax on the couch where presumably you've been sitting all day anyway, and uh, we'll whisk you away to a holiday wonderland. I promise you... Netflix will be there for you when this is done. Real talk for a minute. Are you basically riddled with neurotic anxiety and existential angst every waking moment of your life these days? I'll give you a second to think about that. Yes, yes. Well, my friends, uh, you're in luck because so is our musical guest uh, this evening. His name is Micah E. Woods. Uh, but perhaps unlike the rest of us, he's taken those debilitating emotions and turned them into something beautiful. Uh, let me tell you, this man can truly make a lemonade out of lemons. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, along with his trusty musical companion, Ari Plusnik, I welcome to the program Micah E. Wood. Gone dark in this modern town It's Christmas Eve so only Jews around No oil to be found A peace built it on the ground No oil, no need to be sad No oil, but I'm not sad We have something up a
Thank you, Micah E. Wood and Ari D. Plusnik, our musical uh, guests this evening. And now it's time for our first storyteller of the evening. Uh, she is an author, a journalist, a blogger, a frequent media guest. She is also the author of Black Widow, A Sad, Funny Journey Through Grief for people who normally avoid books with words like journey in the title. Uh, she's a recently returned Baltimore native, a graduate of the University of Maryland College Park, uh, the mother of the very Baltimorely named Brooks Robinson Streeter Zervitz, and uh, according to her, a slow, slow run walker who plans to do 55 Ks in the year 2021 to celebrate turning 50. Big plans for 2021. Please welcome our storyteller, Leslie Gray Streeter. Okay, so my philosophy of Christmas lists was sort of like in the same no-nonsense vein as Santa Claus, where he was like, don't shout, don't pout, don't cry, or it's coal city for you. My thing was more like, be, give the people what they want, be simple about it. Just like be specific, because they asked, right? So you tell them what you want. My twin sister was more in the traditional holiday wonderment vein, where she was like, whatever you'd like, a thing, a doll, a bike, a whatever, whatever. And I was like, this is the best company catalog. This is page 57. On page 57, you will go down five inches and you will find item three, color C, pink, not blue. It's okay if you have blue, if they don't have pink, but I would like the pink. Can you try to make the pink happen? Thank you, peace on earth, fa la la. So, um, it worked for me because normally I would say what I want and I would normally kind of get it and my sister would get like a, a thing. Um, there was one year where I specifically asked for a, I was 13, I asked for a blue men's 10-speed bike. I wanted it to be blue silver like the line in the Duran Duran song, the chauffeur, do not judge me. It was the 80s. My sister was like, maybe roller skates? I don't know. She didn't really want roller skates. She just kind of thought maybe she should match me with a wheeled thing. My parents knew this. I got my bike. She got like a book, whatever. So um, this is why, and I'm going to say 1978, 79, 80, I got Kissing Christy and Lynn got Disco Wanda. Now, let me explain. In our house, it was just the two of us, and we were creative and nuts together. So we had a magical place called Doll Baby Land, and it had its very own theme song, which something like, Doll Baby Land, da, 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 do not judge me. Okay, so the queen of Doll Baby Land every year was whoever got the new 11-and-a-half-inch Barbie-like fashion doll, and she would sit on her perch on the windowsill in the room looking over her subjects who were like, the doll babies and the stuffed animals and the previous queens who had been retired, like, give me your tiara, take your sash and go. They were just sit there and be ruled over. So I wanted Kissing Christy. And you have to imagine that in the 1970s, early 80s, black dolls were just becoming a thing. And so our parents were like, well, they're really nightmare dolls dipped in brown paint it's like barbie with a tan um and they would name her christy but at least they weren't like the crazy like sambo nightmares of the past so i wanted um kissing christy which was basically a barbie doll but she had on a pink dress it was very flowy the very long hair and she had a button in the back if you pushed her put lipstick on her she would kiss um a postcard that said swack seal it with a kiss it was much too much for a nine-year-old it was a nightmare, but I wanted it. And I was very specific about it. My sister's like, I would like a doll. So I got the Assimilationist Barbie, and my sister got Disco Wanda. We had never heard of her either. Um, she had an afro. She had on, like, I think purple disco pants. There was polyester happening. Um, she was very pretty in a you're a Barbie doll in 1979 that has an afro and disco pants and some sort of scarf. My sister wasn't sure what to do. She liked it. My parents, you know, being cool kids, thought it was cool. And Kissing Christy and I were horrified. And so we schemed. Now, of course, it's just me and the doll because the dolls don't talk. But I was able to convince myself that even though it was the year that Disco Wanda would have been the queen of doll baby land, 
that this wasn't happening. So I said, the dolls and I have voted. <laughs> and we decided no. And my sister was like, wait, is it just you and some dolls? So my parents intervened and we were thwarted, but we were watching maybe to push her off the windowsill in Northwood where we lived. Um, the point is that I look back later, I look back now as a parent in 2020 and particularly what's happening in the world. I have a little boy, but it's very important to me that his, he has a choice that his dolls can look like him or they don't, but he has a choice if he wants them to be. His action figures can be brown, they can be Asian, they can be whatever it is you want them to be. Um, and now Disco Wanda is a collector's item while Kissing Christie is a relic of the past. And so I wish also that I had been less specific because I wish that it was a, a way that my son could let me have some joy and let he's like, because he's my kid, here is the thing that I want. Um, and it's a little less fun that way. Uh, looking back, I probably would not have gone in all in on Kissing Christie. I may have been a little more specific and given them maybe three more choices. Thank you. Leslie Gray Streeter, I believe, uh, has demonstrated that she is the one and only queen of Doll Baby Land. Thank you, Leslie, for that beautiful story. We're going to turn things over now to the Maryland Improv Collective Radio Acting Company. This is a group of uh, smart and funny minds that have been feverishly collaborating, composing sketches, uh, comedy sketches that capture the true spirit of the holidays. Uh, they've decided that nothing uh, really captures the joy of the season like a uh, real estate market that is hot, hot, hot. This week on Love It or List It, The Holy Land, we meet Joseph and Mary, a young married couple with a new baby. Mary thinks their dwelling would be perfect with some renovations, while Joseph wants to be closer to family and his business associates. I just want to get back to Nazareth. And like, I just want to not get murdered by King Herod. <laughs> yeah, I guess there's that. The couple meets with our designer, Hillary. Mary. What are you looking for in your renovation? Open concept? M more like closed concept. Like doors and windows would be super nice. I see. And granite counters, hardwood floors, actual floors without hay, and a heat source would be fabulous. And what about your color palette? I like clean, pure colors, like, uh, like pristine appearances. I think the word she's looking for is virginal. David, our real estate agent, asks Joseph what he's looking for in a new house in Nazareth. Joseph, as a new father... Stepfather. Okay, stepfather, what's on your new home must-have list? Uh, nothing fancy. A wood shop, a home office, a two-donkey garage would be nice. And location? I'd like to avoid the Sea of Galilee. The traffic just gets crazy during the summer. And what's your budget? Uh, we'd like to stay under 100 shekels. How much is that? You know, around 20 talents. I have no idea what that is. When we come back, Hillary runs into problems at the manger with the innkeeper. What are you doing to my manger? The animals are everywhere! But I'm making it much more airy and livable. Get out! Get out! And David shows Mary and Joseph the perfect place, but Mary is less than impressed. What's wrong with the house, Mary? Where's the star? Our old place has a star over it. You never mentioned a star. Plus the HOA acts like a bunch of Philistines. Yeah, I'll give you that. All that and more on Love It or List It, The Holy Land. All right, listen. I know this is a virtual show, but I assure you that what you're about to see involves no trick photography, no CGI, no 21st century deep fake technology of any kind. Instead, we present to you this evening a bona fide human magician who is about to deepfake your mind with his own two human hands. Ladies and gentlemen, the award-winning 19-year-old magician, Jacob Greenwald. What you are about to see is a camera trick. Now, I know Aaron gave that, gave that great introduction, but I'll explain. I was asked to come onto this virtual show and do a card trick. Now, that sounds great. I know we're all moving online. You might have online work, online school, but being an online magician is very difficult. Because I, I think, okay, I'll just do my best card trick. I'll come out here, uh, pick a card, any card, but you can't. Because you're not here, you're hundreds of miles away, who knows where. So 
I can't have you pick a card. And there goes 100% of all card tricks in existence. They all start like that. So to come on here to do this show, I had to create my own card trick for this medium. And it's a bit different. It is a camera trick. I'll show you what it looks like. It uses just one card, the eight of spades. And it becomes the king of hearts. It looks pretty cool. I think I can explain how this one is done. Um, there are actually two cards. And I, I know magicians aren't supposed to explain their methods, but it, it, it can't be done elsewhere, right? This is a literal camera trick, because at any other angle, you can see the other card. So I, I can show you how it works. The two cards are put together. They look like one card. I snap. It's a misdirection. And when I snap, I can pull that card down to reveal the other card. And I know it seems nice to know how the magic works, right? But as soon as you know how it works, something that looked so magical just a minute ago, you know it's a trick. You know exactly how it works. There are two cards. And you're right. There are two cards. That's what makes it so impossible. Mind-bending. Even from way, way over here. <laughs> All right, our virtual program continues now as uh, we uh, turn our attention once again to our musical guests. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back Micah E. Wood and Ari D. Plusnik. It's getting colder, baby We're headed home on holiday I don't even like this town Let's find a place to get down Spin around like some dreidels Dancing slow when we're able I just want a moment to ourselves Before we see Thank you once again, Micah E. Wood and Ari D. Pluznik. Cool light show, I gotta add. We're gonna move on to our uh, next storyteller, uh, a storyteller who grew up in Baltimore County and uh, after years of being away, uh, returned home for good. She's a member of the Maryland Improv Collective, a Baltimore City middle school teacher, and an MFA student at University of Baltimore. Uh, please welcome Noelle Ford. I'm from a huge Irish Catholic family. How huge? My mom is one of eight, six sisters, six girls, two boys. They all have their own families. I have like 28 cousins. They all kind of look like me. We all grew up within like a 20 mile radius of the Towson Mall, huge. I also come from a huge Catholic family. How Catholic are we? 
super Catholic. So Catholic that my Meemaw has tiny vials of holy water that she collects. And then when you have a sore throat and you walk into her house and say, <coughs> my throat, she'll give you a tiny vial of holy water to drink. Now this water has been drunk by everyone with a sore throat. So when you continue to have a sore throat, she promises you it's because you didn't trust God. Pretty darn Catholic. Now, the best part about being from a big Catholic family is the Conley Christmas party. So I'm going to take you back. It's 1996, the year the Macarena came out. I know. It's incredible. And so my whole family, we schlep up to my Meemaw's. You know, we, she lives a block away. We walk in, and the first thing I notice is that the walls are sweating. I'm talking like discotheque club sweat on the walls. Because there are 60 people that all kind of look like me, ass to ass in this tiny little split level. So I get there, I walk in, I tear off my sweater, and I'm handed a baby. All right, so there's two rules that come with this large Catholic family. Christmas time means kids tend to themselves. And if you're a foot taller than something, you can take care of it. So I'm an elementary school kid, but I'm throwing Abby. You know, she's two years old. She's got a 30-pound head, and she's given to me, and she's my plus one for the night. I got to pee. Abby comes with me. I got to eat. I got Abby. So Abby and I, we're like, we got to go to the porch. We get to the back porch, all the uncles are out there smoking cigars, and my one Uncle Bill, he's got his leg up on the cooler, kind of like this weird power stance. And I'm like, Uncle Bill, Uncle Bill, can I get a soda? Now I need to take a pause here. The reason I'm so frantic is because my family is factioned. We have the Shasta side, okay, the cola side, the generic side. I'm a generic childhood kid, okay? And then we have the name brand families, okay? I'm talking Pepsi, okay? I'm talking Coke with cherry. So I needed to get into that cooler. I needed Uncle Bill to move his butt because I needed to get a good soda. So I'm saying, Uncle Bill, Uncle Bill, can I get it? I'm so thirsty. And my Uncle Bill goes, oh, you're thirsty? I got a cup of something for you. Oh, a cup of what, Uncle Bill? And he takes his hand and he cups his butt cheek, and he lets out a large, meaty fart. And then he takes that fart, and he throws it in my face and laughs, I got a cup of fart for you. So, it did end up getting a Coke, thank God. I grab Abby, I'm like smelling my uncle's fart, and I immediately race to the basement because there is nothing edgier than Meemaw's basement in elementary school, okay? So you go down into the basement. There I am, I'm down there. And this was the year that we had um, like kind of stolen matches and an advent candle wreath, and we were trying to summon the devil. Bunch of Catholic kids. So we're lighting the candles, we put the babies in the corner, and we're like lighting them, and we're saying prayers backwards and hoping that like some dark force shows up. This was also the year that my cousin Kelly, who's like 11 at the time, told me that... Um, boys don't have wieners, they have penises. So it's a lot that happened in that basement. I grew up a lot and it was awesome. Then my mom comes running down the stairs because she's figured out that we have fire in the basement and she's yelling at us. I never knew that parents could talk at a typical level because I grew up in a large family and everyone talks like this all the time. And so my mom comes down, she's like, it's dinner time, no fire, no summoning the devil. And we run up the stairs, we have our plus ones. And we're in the kitchen, and there's like a bunch of card tables set out, and they're covered in casseroles. Green bean casserole, french fry casserole. We are a family of casseroles. And we're holding hands, and it's quiet, and we're saying a prayer. And it's beautiful. And you feel connected, and you can feel your family kind of squeezing your hand. And it was awesome. And then we say, amen, and like a kill on the savannah, we immediately erupt and try to get food. And like feral animals, we're hiding. So the night always ends exactly the same way. Now, I told you it was the year of the Macarena. We always put on some form of music and we dance. And so we put on the Macarena, and all the kids gather, and we're doing the Macarena. And it's incredible. And my mom's like, this is so cute. Let me get your Aunt Kathy. And we do it literally for like 
10 to 20 minutes and we're crying and my family's screaming and everyone is yelling and they're like, smile for the camera. And then my grandpa George is like, God damn it, why is the music on? And it's just so fun. And that's my Christmas party. And we always end the night, we line up like, you know, like the end of a, a football game, we shake hands, we hug, we kiss. And it's incredible. And this year things are different. I'm an adult. It's Christmas 2020, and it's the pandemic. And instead of it just being generic versus name brand, now there's politics and the pandemic. People have been unfriended on Facebook. I haven't seen my family in a really long time. And what those stories hold for me is the hope and the love of being connected to my family. And so even though this year's been really hard, I am looking forward to having card tables set up at my family's house or in my own home and inviting all of my family over. Anyway, happy holidays to everyone and to my family. I love you, I miss you, and I hope to see you soon. Thank you, Noelle Ford, for that beautiful story and uh, for the gift of uh, getting the Macarena stuck in all of our heads. We appreciate that. Um, I'm going to ask you a personal question, if I might. How's your, uh, how's your dating life going these days? Uh, as a married man, I can tell you mine has really taken a hit. Uh, but really, I've been out of rotation so long, I, uh, I can't imagine uh, what it's like to date in this, this age of Tinder and Bumble and the rest. And uh, Anyhow, add to that mess the fact that we're in the middle of a pandemic and uh, first dates can really take on a whole new level of awkward. Oh, I hope she shows up. The perfect end to the worst year would be being stood up. Tanya? Tanya, is that you? Leslie, you came! I want to hug you. It's so wonderful to see you in person and to spend Christmas with, well, a person. <laughs> you look amazing. You too. Your eyes are... They were so perfect, I thought they were a Zoom filter. No, all me, no technology. I just want to... What? Oh, I want to... What? Have my lawyer review your legal waiver indemnifying us against any viral transmission should we kiss. Hello. Yes. Please maintain six feet distance, Miss Smith. I believe you'll find everything in order on this waiver. The address is current. All activity outside of Miss Jenkins' apartment for the last 30 days has been documented. And it was signed and notarized earlier today. I love it. Do you? I do. And guess what? I brought my lawyer, too. Oh. Thank you. Uh, Miss Smith here. Hand me Miss Jenkins' waiver. Oh, this appears to be in order. Good, good. Yep, good. <laughs> wait, wait right here. Did she sterilize the mail for... Oh, I see it now. Right. She followed process. You'll see the notation on page 822. Mm. Yep, I, I see that now. So? Yes, you may resume courtship. Thank you, Alex. Leslie, you look amazing. I just want to reach out and... What? I want to... What? Have my doctor take your temperature and vitals. Oh. Let him take it temporally. On my forehead? Yes. Bring it. Doctor? Uh, hold still. This will just take a moment. Take all the time you need. 98.6. Textbook. Do it again. Really? Do, Do it. it. Still 98.6? Oh. I see no reason medically why the two of you can't do, well, anything. The waivers are in order. Agreed. No legal reason to withhold at this point. You can do anything. 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 Let's do it. Really? Let's hold hands. Yes! In case you um, forgot what you were doing right now, you are tuned to the uh, Stoop Virtual Holiday Hoo-Ha, an evening of uh, seasonal stories, comedy sketches, magic, and music. And I want to take a quick minute here to thank our sponsors, Park School, an independent, co-educational, non-sectarian, progressive pre-K through grade 12 school. 
Located on a 100-acre campus just minutes from the city. Thanks also to our sponsor, Golden West, an Omni restaurant with a vegan forward menu located on the avenue in Hamden since 1997. First restaurant in the nation, by the way, to start a vegan restaurant week. The menu features delicious Southwestern classics. They also have a late-night carry-out window. Thanks also to Baltimore Magazine. Baltimore Magazine chronicles and celebrates this complicated, wonderful town. You can pick up your copy on newsstands now and visit baltimoremagazine.com. You can also check out the podcast, Local Flavor Live. And thank you also to our sponsor, The Wine Source, an excellent place to get all of your holiday libations and more, located at 3601 Elm Avenue in Hamden. All right, folks, fine-tune the resolution on your screens Put on your bifocals if that's necessary and prepare to once again not believe your eyes. Here again is magician Jacob Greenwald. So at this point, you've seen me already. You're probably wondering, why is there a magician on the Stoop Stories, holiday, hoo-ha, virtual? This is a holiday show, right? Not a magic show. And also, for some reason, on the radio. And if you are trying to listen to this magic show on the radio, don't try and find a video. I'll just I'll explain what's going to happen. Basically, I've got some decks of cards here. In a minute, Aaron's going to name a card. I'm going to snap my fingers. It's going to appear in a burst of flames. My tiger's going to come in. We're all going to float around the room a little bit. I'm going to snap my fingers, disappear. It's going to be incredible, OK? Now that the radio people have heard it, we'll just do it for real. Um, so as to why there's a magician at all in this holiday show, if it helps, don't think of it as a magic show. I know that during all of my Hanukkah get-togethers and New Year's parties, that at the end of the night, my family likes to come together and play a game, whether it be dreidel or go fish or Texas Hold'em. So instead of thinking of this as a card trick, think of it as a demonstration or a lesson in how you can win all of your family's money in a nice little game of cheating, right? So Aaron. Aaron, do you mind helping me out? Yes, I'm, I'm standing by. Fantastic. Aaron, two decks of cards. I Up see them. Up to you. Red deck or blue deck? What do you want to use? I'll choose the blue deck. Are you sure? Yes. Positive. No, I've decided now to choose the red deck. All right. The blue deck. Um, fantastic. <laughs> live show. It's, it's live theater. Um, fantastic. Everything's going according to plan. Aaron, with, these nice, with this nice blue deck of cards, I'll give you another choice. Any card. Name any card. Just say it out loud, whatever one pops into your head. Five of diamonds. Five of diamonds. You're sure about that one? I'm not going to change my mind this Fantastic. time. Fantastic. Five of diamonds. The five of diamonds. So you see, that might be pretty helpful if you're playing a nice game of cards with your family and you see you have the five of hearts and you need a card to match it, it's nice to be able to just shoot the five of diamonds out of the deck. But what if, for example, uh, you're playing a game like poker, right? The five of diamonds isn't going to do very much for you when you're just playing a game of poker because you need more cards, right? So maybe you need the, the mate of the five of diamonds. If you need the mate of the five of diamonds, you can cut the deck like this maybe one of those, and you can get the five of hearts, right? <laughs> that would be pretty helpful if you're playing a game like, like Texas Hold'em, where you have two cards together, very good, very, good, um, very good hand. But maybe you're playing something a bit more complicated. You're playing five card stud. Maybe you can do this with one hand, where you take the cards, you shoot one out of flies, and you catch the five of spades. Three fives, definitely a good hand, right, Aaron? I would say so. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And the last card, you could go through the deck. You could try and find what are we missing? The, the five clubs, would it be? You could try and do any of that, but it probably wouldn't be that useful because we obviously are cheating. Um, and if you're trying to find the five clubs, it's probably easier to look. Remember before this started, when we put one card in your pocket to cheat for later, the five clubs. You see how that could be helpful, Aaron? You could, have, you could have all five cards together. That might help you out a little bit. Bravo. Thank you. Here, but it gets better. It gets better because let's say you want to do that. That's very cool. But what if you're not dealing, right? If you're not dealing, this all becomes much more difficult. So how do you do it without touching the cards? I'll show you. Aaron, I know you can't pick a card, so instead I'll just deal through the cards like this. Whenever you want, just call out stop and I'll stop dealing. All right. 
And stop. Here? Yeah. Do you want to put some back, take some more? Are you happy here? I, that's my final answer. Final answer. Okay, we'll go with the card you stopped at. Four of hearts. And Aaron, I'll just have you do the same thing. We'll do it, we'll do it face down this time. I'll just drop through the cards. You tell me where to put the four of hearts back in the deck. Just say stop again. Okay. Stop. Here? Yes. Okay. Four of hearts, face up, face down deck. The rest of the cards go back on top. You're not going to believe this, Aaron, or anyone else at home. All I have to do, snap my fingers. All the cards turn face down, except for your four of hearts. Yes. Turns face up, only face up card in the face down deck when I snap. When I snap, one card and one card only turns face up, the four of hearts. Bravo. Okay. It's, it's okay, but I know it's hard for you guys to see, but you guys probably saw the card went in face up. And, and that's because it's not very cool over here. Because I said I would do it without touching the cards. Because, Aaron, you didn't choose the blue deck, did you? Remember at the beginning, you went back and forth, but you wanted the red deck, and I was yeah. kind of mean. Yeah, yeah. Yes. You see, these cards have been sitting here Wait, the what? entire time. Oh. And yet, there's one card, and one card only face up. The four of hearts. But Aaron, the part that I don't understand, the part that confuses me, is how you chose the only red card in the blue deck. What? And this is the only blue card in the red deck. That is the part that gets me. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. Thank you, Aaron. Have a great holiday season. Ladies and gentlemen, do not play poker with this man. Magician Jacob Greenwald. Bravo, sir. I consider myself mystified. That said... I want to take a minute to thank our uh, first responders and medical professionals. They've been getting a lot of props and kudos these days, rightfully so. But I, I think the rest of us, you know, we're all unsung heroes in our own rights. If you think about it, we've all stepped up to the challenge of sitting at home and watching as much TV as humanly possible. I think we've done a proud and determined job of this, if you ask me honestly. And uh, I have to say, when you finish Netflix, though, and Hulu, Amazon Prime, Disney Plus, you may feel like you've gotten to the bottom of the barrel, you've gotten to the end of your rope. But I'm here to tell you, do not despair. Your TV actually has these things called channels. And you know what? They're a world unto themselves. Oh boy, more pandemic TV surfing. Let's see what's on the Food Network. <laughs> So, we bring that surprise to our leftover turkey sandwich with what I like to call the stranger sandwich. It's so simple. First, grab some bread and turkey from the fridge and build your sandwich base. Next, and this is really important, put on a very dark blindfold, no peeking. Then you'll spin around three times, reach into the fridge and grab any three bottles or jars. Don't peek now. Huh? Then squirt, slather, scoop some of the contents of those jars onto your sandwich. Now, for the best part. Keep that blindfold on and sit or lay on one of your hands until it is fast, fast asleep. What? Then that hand is good and numb. Use that hand to feed yourself the sandwich. And it's like a delightful stranger came over to make you an exciting turkey sandwich and feed it to you in a dark, dark room. Bon appetit. Uh, nope, nope. Uh, let's try the home shopping network. These moisturizers are great, people. Simple as that. Okay, well the active ingredient is cobra venom. It says the venom paralyzes the skin in your face for a fresh look. I don't see a problem. Cobra venom can kill people. Damn straight. Walking down the street can kill you, John. Don't overreact. They have application directions on the back of the bottles. Yes, it says rub on your face clockwise with your left hand for 60 seconds while moving your opposite leg counterclockwise while applying the cream. This will keep the poison away from your heart and shouldn't kill you? Yes, there are clear instructions to follow for people to be safe. What's your issue? If a person moves their leg or arm in the wrong way, it could kill them. It seems way over the top. I mean, you look great. Do you use this stuff? I do, and actually keep a little Cobra anti-venom on my nightstand, just in case. Really? Okay, maybe I'll check out MTV. <laughs> Now, that's what I call music is back. That's right, all your holiday favorites now redone with a touch of 2020 realness, like this classic. I'll not be home for Christmas. 
I'm in quarantine. Be sure to listen to these as you gather around your own table. Well, there's no place like your own home for the holidays. You can see everybody via Zoom. Everyone's got their favorites, and they're all ready for 2020. Oh, the weather outside is frightful, and this year's been undelightful. So as long as you're listening, God, make it stop, make it stop, make it stop! Stop! Oh, there's got to be something on. It's on at BBC. Oh, we return to the manger with Mary and Joseph putting the baby to sleep. Okay, I think I finally got him down for the night. You would think the son of God would be a little more ready to sleep. Mary, you're a saint, and Jesus is such a great little baby. We are blessed. We are blessed, and now it'll be nice to finally have a quiet night. What is up, my people? What in the... Oh, shh. Please be quiet. Hey, y'all, hey. I'm here with a gift for the birthday boy, Little Drummer Boy Solo. Oh. Oh. Are you insane? Why would you do this? Oh, well, this is my baby gift. I mean, what kid wouldn't love a sweet drum solo? <sighs> Sweet silence. Maybe I'll make myself a stranger sandwich. All right, we're going to turn things over now to a storyteller originally from Oklahoma. Uh, he's a musician, a yoga instructor, and a teaching artist. Uh, he's a Baltimore transplant who came to Charm City for graduate school at Peabody, and he never left. He has a passion for employing the stories that music tells us as tools for emotional healing and social change Ladies and gentlemen, we turn things over now to storyteller Thomas Hokla. Thank you so much. As it was said, I originally grew up in Oklahoma. I'm one of four kids. It's girl, boy, boy, girl. I'm the younger, the younger boy represent. Um, so I also grew up in a family of musicians. And as I assume everyone, at least I did until I was much older, everyone around the holidays and really any time of year, we would sing in the car all the time. And around this time of year, of course, Jingle Bells would be a perennial favorite. So I might start out naively. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. My mother, a soprano, enters. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. My brother, a tenor, continues. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Until my dad, a baritone, would bring us back to a reasonable key and let us all continue to sing together. So enter into that my mother, who really is kind of the reason that music has been in our household our whole lives. She's kind of the head honcho musician. One of my favorite stories is that she went to the University of Oklahoma on an athletic scholarship playing French horn. The music department couldn't afford a second French horn, but the Pride of Oklahoma marching band for Football is King in Oklahoma could. So there you have it. Growing up, I don't know whether music or my love of my mother is really where it's kind of a chicken and the egg situation. I wasn't sure, do I love this sublime sound or do I really just need more attention? I'll get back to you on that. Anyway, so as I'm going through my life, my mother had many jobs as a musician, but she always was the, the church musician, where we, whatever church we were going to at the time. And I figured out when I was about five or six, that if I got up at 6 a.m. and I looked, you know, clean cut, ready to go, that this Irish Catholic mother was never going to turn down her son to take him to church. Gold mine. I had three and a half uninterrupted hours of mom time. So I would get there, and what I didn't quite count on was that since my mom was the musician, I was going to make music. So this went on for years. And here's where I pause the story to say that we're making music together, I'm learning, it's great. But one thing that you have to know about my family is that we had kind of an Anne of Green Gables, Victorian era aspect to, to gathering together that we always performed for each other. So I would learn a Christmas piece, my brother would learn something on guitar, my sisters on flute and oboe, we'd all sing and play music. So that's the backdrop. And one year in May, my mom comes to me and says, I think this year, instead of you presenting a solo piece, you should lead us in a sing-along. And I'm like, great, that sounds awesome. She tells me this wonderful story of how 
when I, and I was 10 or 11, she tells me this wonderful story how she was my age and used to start practicing in June. And it was May, and she kind of looks at me and says, you're going to need the extra time. So I, I start practicing. And I've always admired people who start listening to Christmas carols in November because, I mean, they must have a real love for carols. But I always know in the back of my head that my family must love Christmas music more than anyone because they've heard, like, truly horrific murdered carols practiced by a 10-year-old since May their entire lives. So they've heard since May, like, Hark the Herald with, like, no sharps or flats or anything like that because I, I couldn't quite grasp it. So we're going through, and now as a musician and educator myself, um, I know that my mom was really trying to decide whether this was going to be an empowering experience or a moment where her 10-year-old son wasn't completely embarrassed in front of his entire family on New Year's Eve. Um, so the first week of December, she gets me together and says, like, hey, we should make some music together and go through these carols. So I'm pretty slick. I've got them together. I've got your Silent Night. I've got your First Noel. I've got Once in Royal David City, because I'm that good. I've also got Let It Snow. You know, this is, we're ready to go. I play through all of them. It goes great. I'm ready to get up. My mom says, great, we're gathering on New Year's Eve. Of course you've prepared Auld Lang Syne. No. Crickets. So she gets out the easy piano book. She's like, just prepare a bass line and a right hand. It'll be fine. Your entire family's musicians. It'll be great. No worries. So I spend every waking moment practicing Old Lang Syne from like December 6th or so, St. Nicholas Day, all the way through to New Year's Eve. The day arrives. We get together. We get outside. The ball drops. The wrong time zone. But, you know, we would just make sure that we, like, I think one year we actually had one from the previous year that we watched. Because uh, anyway, so we get outside, we have the trumpets blaring, because why not? We may or may not set up fireworks in the city limits. I don't remember. We come inside. Everyone has their sparkling, except my uncle, who doesn't like sparkling. You just never asked what was in his glass. We gather by the piano. I'm ready to play. I start out F major. We get through the first verse of Auld Lang Syne. This is when I realize that I am a finger sweater. A great, great trait in a classic pianist is that I can swear I can see drops of sweat almost by osmosis going through my nail and shooting onto the keyboard slash now slip and slide. So we get through the first verse. Oh, I'm super relieved. Like, great, all I have to do is take this home. Perfect. We finish, for Auld Lang Syne, done. Then I hear in the back of the room my mother's beautiful soprano. And here's a hand, my trusty friend. Of course, she knows verse two. And not to be bested, but I also like to think because they love us so much, my family jumps in. I'm clearly flustered. I'm just not ready for verse two. And they jump in with the harmony because the melody is more than I can even handle at this point, to be honest. And they come in hums and oohs. It's like Norman Luboff, eat your heart out. It's beautiful singing, at least it was in my head. And I remember feeling this huge sense of pride and warmth. And that's all I remember from that moment, but I do look back on it all the time mainly because it reminds me of my favorite carol in the bleak midwinter. In the last verse of the Christina Rossetti poem, what can I give him, poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. But what I can I give him? I give him my heart. And in that moment, my mother takes for granted that if she gives her whole heart into verse two, and takes that leap of faith of her whole self that we're there for her, that her terrified son is there for her. And what it teaches me more than even a holiday memory is that growing up gay, Roman Catholic, Eagle Scout in Oklahoma in the 90s in a small town, I could have a very different story. <laughs> but through things as simple as Auld Lang Syne and the way my mother presented music, I learned a lesson I hope every parent is able to teach their child that if I show up with my whole heart, that that's what I can give. And every year at Auld Lang Syne on New Year's, I get a chance to remember that. Thank you so much. Thomas Hokla, ladies and gentlemen, a man with a beautiful story, a beautiful heart, and a beautiful voice. Thank you, Thomas, uh, for that story. Micah E. Wood and Ari D. Pluznik, have you guys got another song in you tonight?
Yeah, I think we can do that. Yeah? All right. I'm going to ask you to turn the camera over to these guys. But I have a couple of questions for you guys. Hopefully everybody at home can see uh, Micah's uh, sweater. Yeah? You want to show that off? A Hanukkah sweater like no other. This is, a, this is like a, an heirloom. Well, not an heirloom, but something that you've treasured for a long time. Yes? Tell us the uh, story of this sweater. Oh, I mean, just that I think my mom got it from Kohl's and gave me it. And then, you know, when you start wearing things ironically that your mother gives you, eventually you just start loving them. And then you find yourself the fool that cares, you know, the worst feeling of all. So now I love this sweater and it fits me nicely nowadays. Do you wear it all every day of Hanukkah? No, but I guess I've worn it two days in a row now. Yeah. But, you know, then it's the, you know, wash cycle. Two days on, one day off. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so you can only do it, you can only have two batches during Hanukkah. The last batch, you only get one day, you know? I think that's math. I can't figure it out. What was your favorite Hanukkah present ever, Micah? Ooh. Well, you got to remember that Hanukkah is very unimportant. So, like, you might just get socks, right? But yeah. the best gift ever is my brother and I both used we were like, we don't want any gifts for eight days. And he was like, I don't want any gifts for eight days. We just want one combined gift, which was the whole rock band set for the oh, Xbox. Nice. You know, that, that's a pretty penny. That's like, well, I don't know, like 160. So you had to combine all 16 total days to get one. Totally worth it. This, that was thinking, uh, now that's the kind of delayed gratification that not a lot of children would be able to put themselves into. It was into. worth it. It was the long con. I'll tell you my uh, uh, Hanukkah, favorite Hanukkah gift when I was little, and this will date me. But I, I opened this big box, and it was the Adat Walker from uh, Empire Strikes Back. And I remember it was the first time I experienced, as a, ch a child, crying tears of joy. And it was over. From you? Yeah. Okay. I, I began crying, and I was like, why am I crying? I don't understand. <laughs> And it basically, it was because I had gotten, been given a Star Wars toy that I, I greatly cherished. That's amazing. Anyway, that's the spirit of Hanukkah for, as I understand it. Uh, I'm sure we all appreciate the holiday in its own way. Uh, thank you for um, regaling us with, uh, with those stories of your own. And I, I will uh, get off the mic, get out of your way, and let you and uh, your uh, trusty colleague over there, uh, Ari Pluznik, uh, entertain us with another song. Thank you. This one's a, a slow jam. I only love myself fully when I'm with you. I'm sure that's not a healthy thing to do. I spent 25 years in the depths of my mind, only worrying about others. And what they say all the time But you paint my flaws In your loveliest hues Now all I see are the colors Of my past before you Two steps to the right Three steps to yours I've seen this dance Never done it before Two steps to the right Three steps to yours I've seen this dance I never done it before. It's 2 a.m. and there's snow covering the room. But it's okay, we got nowhere to go. It's 2 a.m. and there's snow covering the It's okay because we're already home. Thank you once again, Micah E. Wood and Ari D. Pluznik. Really nice to have you guys as part of the program. Quick thank you to a couple more sponsors here. 
Uh, I want to say thank you to Falcon Hands uh, Hardware Store, Conscious Corner, Babies on Fire, and The Charmery. And ladies and gentlemen, I see over here in the distance that our uh, Maryland Improv Radio uh, players are ready again, and I'll start this one off. I'll say, uh, this week on Yuletide, Life at the Pole. 12.56 a.m., the North Pole, corner of Peppermint and Tooth Decay. What's your story, Officer Blitzen? Victim is a 437-year-old elf named Booger Sugar. Locals were playing Candyland. Booger Sugar tried to rob the game, ended up in the molasses swamp permanently. Who's that? One of the players saw it all go down. Excuse me. They didn't have to do it. Who didn't? Every time we play Candyland, B. Shug would snatch all the gumdrops and run. Couldn't help himself. But we'd just catch him and beat him with licorice whips. No call to kill the elf. You know, I, I gotta ask you, if, if Booger Sugar always stole the gumdrops, why'd you let him play? You got to. This is the North Pole, man. The captain's office, 1st Precinct, 8.17 a.m. Cupid, get your haunches in here. Captain, bellowing is the lowest form of communication. I've been staring at this board all morning. Detective Cupid, what do the green names indicate? Solved homicides. And the red? Victims of polar bear attacks. Folks have got to stop leaving old-fashioned bottles of Coca-Cola lying around. Well, this name wasn't put here by a polar bear. Frosty the Snowman. Damn! Turn Frosty green. And tell that four-legged bundle of alcoholism you call a partner that he's hired, rehired, suspended, and now working this case on his own time. Oh, oh God! Why is a polar bear working reception? You hired a polar bear? Had to. Bear's nephew. Social commentary. Social commentary. 10.08 a.m. The Corners. Duplo Blocks Village. You alive, Comet? My fault. <clears throat> Got into some 12-year-old Kentucky Yoo-Hoo last night. An officer Blitzen gave me one of her special all-night hugs. Come on, give me some antler. Mm. Enjoy that fourth divorce. Harsh, but fair. You got eyes down on these blocks? Yeah. Rudolph's still pushing pixie dust. Ho, 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 I got that cranberry sauce. Got that stocking stuffer. Got that Xmas marks the spot. What's up, Rudolph? Aw, damn. If you two ain't buying, keep trotting. We're here about Frosty. Don't you say that name. You saw him die. It's the pole, man. Everybody dies. Frosty died on this corner. That's right. My best friend killed with his own carrot. Nothing left but a puddle, that old silk hat they found, and five pieces of coal. Five pieces? What are you thinking, Cupid? Frosty only had two eyes. 1.16 p.m., the first precinct. Comet, you non-functional alcoholic, why is Santa in the interrogation room? Frosty had two eyes made out of coal, Captain, not five. And who else keeps lumps of coal at the pole? Why, Santa? Why kill Frosty? He'd been naughty. Naughty? I'm not just a jolly soul with a huge sack and type 5 diabetes, Detective. I got a list. Pray you're not on it. Everyone on this list is... Naughty. Dead. You say caramel, I say caramel. You are under arrest. <laughs> Am I? Mr. Claus, you're free to go. But Captain... With our apologies. You can keep the list, Detective. Ho, 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 ho. That rosy-cheeked walking gravy isn't... Yes, he is. He's gonna walk, because the ones on top never really pay. Remember, this is a David Simon show, and that means... Moral ambiguity. And an unsatisfying ending masquerading as truth. Look out! Polar bear! Oh, oh, oh! <laughs> Captain, you okay? Captain. It's a really, really hungry, really hungry polar bear. <laughs> <laughs> what a fine note to end on. An uplifting note. Ladies and gentlemen, that has been our show for the night. 
Big thanks to all of our storytellers, uh, to the Maryland Improv Collective, to musicians uh, Micah E. Wood and Ari D. Pluznik, to magician Jacob Greenwald. Big shout out to the Creative Alliance for hosting this crazy thing. To our crew in the tech booth for everything they did and all the plates they spun. Natasha and Adam, I salute you guys. Uh, thank you, Josh, for uh, helping get this whole thing organized. Uh, thanks also, uh, love and gratitude to uh, my wife, Jessica Henkin of the Stoop Storytelling Series for uh, being the, the mastermind of this whole beautiful mess. Thanks to WYPR for broadcasting the holiday hoo-ha out to Radioland. And uh, a big thank you to you for spending the evening with us. I'm Aaron Hankin. Stay safe, stay sane, stay apart, but stand together. And happy holidays. Good night.